This is the JT and Looney Podcast, Episode 8. Tom, I want to jump in because up to date, uh, Rob Gronkowski has retired from the NFL and the New England Patriots. Uh, this is an athlete that both we've we've covered this athlete inside and out for the last very interesting guy. Know, decade. Uh, no doubt about it, a very interesting guy. I think he's one of the greatest football players of all time, and I think he's going to be sorely missed not only by the Patriots and also the NFL. Well, you know, when it comes to my credential for greatest football player of all time, Gronkowski, as you know, was a guy who could have played a lot of positions, unlike Jerry Rice and other people who people like to throw into the conversation. Big and strong like football players are. He could have played tight end. He could have been left guard, right guard, center. He could have been a linebacker. So when you're talking about greatest football players of all time, Maybe he might be included in that conversation, but not one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Is he a Hall of Famer, JT? Well, the problem with the Hall of Fame is a lot of guys who end up in the Hall of Fame do it because of longevity. Art Monk, for example, didn't have Hall of Fame numbers except for the fact that he did it for 16 years. That's part of being a Hall of Famer, something you can't choose is how durable you are. Yeah, I always say Gronkowski was great, but he would give you he would give you 11 of the best games you'll ever get. Unfortunately, in the NFL, seasons have 16 games and then the playoffs, JT. You know he sat in the luxury box and watched Super Bowls at times because he was too hurt to play. Yeah, I couldn't disagree with you more. I think he's one of the greatest football players of all time, as you talked about, because he could play multiple positions, and he really evolved into being a great blocker in the run game later on in his career. What I find so unique, Tom, about his career is he's played nine seasons. He broke into the league in 2010 at the age of 21, and he played uh, 16 games, but he started 11 of those. And in that first season, he had 42 receptions, for 546 yards, but he came onto the scene with 10 touchdowns. So right out of the gate, everybody knew Gronk playing on a great team in the Brady-Belichick era and a guy who jumped onto the scene with 10 touchdowns. And in year two, he started and played in all 16 games with 90 receptions, which turned out to be the most he ever had in any season and the most touchdowns. His best season was year two. Yeah, that's my argument about why he shouldn't be in it. Well, I disagree because he came into the league in his first two years. First two years in the league, and he had a total of 27 touchdowns at the tight end position. So right out of the gate where he ended up totally, and we'll get to the playoff numbers, I'm talking regular season. We're talking about a guy who ended a career with uh, 79 of these touchdowns happening and 27 in the first two years. So it didn't take time, Tom, for you to figure out who this guy was. He jumped in, he's in the postseason, he's playing on the highest level and he turns out to be Tom Brady's number one target. What do you think? That's how Marcus Allen ended up in the hall of fame. He had two good years, his first two years, and he lived off of that reputation. That doesn't get you to the hall of fame just because your debut album is a smash hit. Who is he? Christopher cross. Because he's got Ride Like the Wind and Sailing and the theme to Arthur, and then Christopher Cross disappeared. That's who Rod Gronkowski is. Yeah. Hey, how about we take out those first two seasons and look at the rest when he couldn't show up for work? Nothing drives you crazier than a guy who doesn't show up for his talk radio show. Guys, it's five days a week sitting in a chair. Uh, you're usually the class clown, and all you have to do is class clown it for three hours a day five days a week and guys can't show up for their talk shows and it drives you crazy. He couldn't show up for his football show half the time. Well, what you're talking about, if we, it doesn't take long to go through his career, right? It's only nine it, years. It doesn't. It's <laughs> only nine years. So let's begin in 2010. As I said, right. 16 games, then 16, then 11, yeah. then 11. seven, yeah. seven, 15, 15, yep. 8, yes. 14, See? and 13. Yeah, so after the first two seasons, he couldn't show up for work. Well, he didn't show up, Tom, because he's playing in the NFL at the size of an offensive tackle or one of the biggest offensive linemen in the history of football in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and he's running corner routes, and he's running routes 40, 50, 60 yards downfield. He's catching balls that are being dropped out of the sky from Tom Brady. He's lining up in the slot. He's lining up on the outside more than he lines up 
at tight end, can't you give him at least the credit that he became this unique weapon because he wasn't like uh, Mike Ditka and Mackie and Dave Casper, more like a Kellen Winslow who was athletic and We'll get to Tony Gonzalez in a little bit, who never played in a big game. Tony right. Gonzalez never played in a game that mattered. It seemed like Gronk played in these pivotal games where he's playing in the AFC championship game. He's in the divisional round. They're down to Baltimore. They're trying to play a war game against Pittsburgh, and Gronk was the best player on the field other than Tom Brady. Doesn't he deserve Hall of Fame credit for that? He deserves to be in the conversation for Hall of Fame, but because he was good his first two years, you're friends with MC Hammer. MC Hammer was famous for two years. That doesn't get him in the Rock and Roll or Hip Hop Hall of Fame. And he did have two amazing first his first two years, 2011, uh, 2010, 2011. But then he had injury issues. Longevity counts when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Yes, was he a brilliant football player when he was on the field? Yeah, that describes a lot of guys. That describes Icky Woods and a lot of guys who had a brilliant. Uh, Icky Woods was his rookie year and his second year was brilliant. This A lot of times with the Hall of Fame, it seems to be guys who were great on television, who had a great reputation, and it's an argument for reputation that the kids could learn from. <laughs> if you've got a good reputation, it doesn't go away, even if you stink after a while, or even if you can't show up for work after a while. But I think that, that you got to take into consideration durability if you're going to put someone in the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, just put them in the Hall of Very, Very Good. Well, let's stay on this because this is a podcast, and I feel yeah. like I'm coming put our over feet the turnbuckle like a wrestler. <laughs> I feel like if we're playing chess, I want to give you a checkmate here and finish you off, but I can't do it because it's a podcast. Exactly. And we're in different places with it's our Yeti the World Wrestling or- Federation or the WWE. There's no checkmate, but go ahead. But here's the key why Rob Gronkowski is a Hall of Famer. His playoff numbers. I'm a big believer that what puts you over the top for a lot of players is what you do in the postseason. That's always been my argument okay. with Kurt Schilling, right? Uh, Kurt Schilling's got great regular season numbers, but winning the World Series with the Red Sox and the Bloody Sock and killing the curse of the Bambino and then being with the Diamondbacks and beating the Yankees, those two postseason performances were good enough to elevate everything he's done and put his regular season numbers over the top. And for Gronkowski... He played 16 games in the postseason. He was 12 and four in those games. And this is where he's just incredible. He had 12 touchdowns receiving in those games. And he was just dominant overall, 130 targets with three Super Bowl rings. So he put together an entire regular season, Tom, of 16 games. And all of those impressive numbers and those 81 receptions for 1,163 yards and the 12 touchdowns. So that adds to his entire body of work. So I believe, and I think we could agree to disagree, that Gronkowski gets into the Hall of Fame after only nine years because of his tremendous record in the postseason and his ability to win championships. Did you include the numbers from the from the? Super Bowl where he was sitting in a luxury box and no, watching no, it only the ones he's because in, he couldn't play. Yeah. And so you leave that out, of course, because it doesn't fit in to the narrative. Hey, there, there's another argument for the Hall of Fame, which I will take a lot of times. It's not necessarily the argument you like is that it's a person. It's the Hall of Fame. And did the person bring great fame to the game and fame to himself? When you bring great fame to yourself, you bring fame to the game. And Rob Gronkowski did that. Other people who don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame did it as well, like Joe Namath didn't have Hall and Terry Bradshaw do not have that. God, their numbers stink. But they brought great fame to themselves and therefore great fame to the game, usually always positive. So there are guys. I mean, he has better numbers at his position than a lot of guys who are even more famous, like Joe Namath and Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan, et cetera. Howie Long, who's great on TV. So let's put him in the Hall of Fame. So it happens from time to time where people bring great fame to the game. So they put him in the Hall of Fame. And if there's if there's a guy sitting at the Algonquin Roundtable with that argument, then Gronk gets in. Well, Howie Long Jr. 
uh, who works for the Raiders listens to the podcast. So oh, okay. I'll apologize so, for be, you. I'll we have a lot of fans <laughs> of the podcast. I'll apologize for that. Look, I, I think Gronkowski becomes, look, Gail Sayers, you look at Terrell Davis. Yes. You look at players who have had shortened careers who got into the Hall of Fame. He brought I mean, great fame to the game. Absolutely. And Gail yep. Sayers was, when I talk to a lot of the old timers, and you know I have a passion for the Hall of Fame and talking, everybody says that Gail Sayers was the greatest running back ever when it yeah. came to the eyeball test. Men speed. of a certain age, men of a certain age seem yeah. to uniformly agree with either him or Jim Brown. You're right. And he blew out his knee and he you know, he's taken out early in his career, uh, but he still went in because he was the best player during his era and he was that good. Jim Brown, the same thing. Jim Brown went out. At the top, he literally went out at the top and he had not one or two years left. He had four or five years left. And I think that's a good segue as we talk about Rob Gronkowski, about what he does next. Mm Because I live in Vegas and I was able to see his Vegas parties up close and him (laughs) swimming up at the pool at the Hard Rock and, you know, standing on the cliff at the Hard Rock rehab party and looking down at the thrones of fans and drinking tequila and partying. And he did this under the Bill Belichick era, where if you stepped out of line under Belichick, if you weren't a team player, if you didn't buy in, if you got in trouble, if you talked too much to the if press. If you bring too much attention to yourself. Absolutely. Belichick says goodbye. I think the key to this whole retirement, and Drew Rosenhaus is his agent, a lot of people are speculating, Looney, that he stepped away because Belichick was going to ask him to take a pay cut. They were probably going to cut him, which NFL players don't like to get cut because it forces them to either renegotiate a deal or go to another team. And I think that if he would have took a pay cut, then he stays around as long as he wants. Do you believe that he'll jump back in? So a lot of people are speculating he'll sit out the first six or seven games of this upcoming regular season. Brady will need him. Brady's getting closer to retirement, obviously. Gronk will come back in week 10 or 11 and be ready for the playoff push. That would be like any other year, in other words. (laughs) (laughs) And so he it'd probably be better that he that he's resting rather than getting hurt and having to sit out six or seven games. And I think that uh, it's been proven over the with modern medicine, kinesiology, workouts, et cetera, that uh, if guys want to take some time off, George Foreman, who won the heavyweight yeah. championship of the world 20 years after the first time he had won it by taking some time off. Uh, and his body rejuvenating and cells rejuvenating. I think that's if you're that talented. Yeah. Take a year off. How about take a year off and come back with the Raiders in Vegas so he can stay in Vegas and lift himself out of the pool by his fingers every single day. Well, you looked at my Twitter feed at JT the Brick and I was the first I mean, literally 10 minutes after he announced his retirement, I said he'd look great. As a writer in Vegas, Ooh, you were the clearly, first one to say that you were the Jay Glazer of that information. Very well, good. Because he's 29. I believe in age. If Tom Brady's going to play into his 40s, Drew Brees into his 40s, I think Gronk can play at 30, 31, 32. But you know, when you look at Gronkowski, the one thing I have to say is that he put his body through hell because oh my God. he was so athletic as a tight end, diving for balls, diving towards the pylon, making these plays and is coming down crashing it was such a touchdown machine that i think there was so much of his body being beat up all the time that he probably needs a break and on top of that with the three super bowl championships and the postseason you point out the ones that he missed is that he played deep into the season the patriots don't have much of an offseason it drives me crazy when a team doesn't make the playoffs and the season ends on new year's eve so new year's eve is the last game everybody cleans out their locker room, you know, January 1st or 2nd. And then the Patriots play into the first weekend in February. And then they have a parade with the duck boats and they come back and they go on the late night talk shows. They clean out their lockers in mid-February and they're rushed on their vacation. They're rushed to go and have their off-season workouts while these other players have been off for six to eight weeks as Gronkowski was putting his body through practice. And Tom, let's talk about that too. The practice element of this for Gronkowski and the elements in the cold outside in New England playing in those snow practices with Belichick says, no, we're not going to play in the bubble today. We're going outside to play and we're going to go through hell. Gronkowski was always there when healthy, understanding his role and being a great leader. 
Rob Gronkowski will be one of the greatest Hall of Famers to ever walk into Canton, Ohio with three Super Bowl rings, outstanding numbers, most yards per reception for the tight end in the history of the position. I love me some Rob Gronkowski. Oh, shut up. <laughs> God, that, was, that was very good speech, Mr. Loudmouth, talk show host. But one of the great leaders on the team, when your reputation is porn stars and drinking in Vegas, not there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but when that's your reputation, I don't know that's the definition of a leader. I think he got away with a lot of that because Bill Belichick and other guys, Gronkowski wasn't in trouble with the law that I remember. But uh, Gronk, uh, Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells had Lawrence Taylor and other guys that were so great that they just let things go. And it wasn't the Patriots' way to have a guy bringing that much attention to himself. But I don't think hanging out with porn stars and getting drunk late in the night bothered Robert Kraft, <laughs> the, the, the owner of the Patriots. Call me loony. I don't think that probably bothered the owner. Matter of fact, Robert Kraft was probably with him. And Bill Belichick probably gave him a, a mulligan or two over the years because of how good he was. But really, do you want to do you want to revisit that big speech he gave and talk about his leadership ability? I just think he was a great teammate. His teammates loved him. Brady oh loved God, him. Yeah. Yeah. The owner loved him, That's as true. you pointed out. Belichick dealt with him, and he didn't get in trouble. Remember, we're talking about the same team in the same position of. Aaron Hernandez, right? Oh, my God, I know. Right, he was there right. for the Aaron Hernandez. Matter of fiasco. fact, it was great for the team that someone so good was there to take attention away from when Aaron Absolutely. Hernandez. With Aaron Hernandez not there, someone else to catch the ball and and just bring the attention. It's where no one in the stands had to say, well, we could use Aaron Hernandez right now. No one in the stand had to embarrassingly say that to themselves because Gronkowski was there. And as we wrap this up with Gronkowski, what I think is really unique about him is what is he going to do next? You live in Hollywood. Uh, you act and you produce and you've done a lot. And you know that this guy, everybody's saying the obvious choice is wrestling. Oh, all the geniuses listening to the JT and Looney podcast. We're going to have him fake pretend to be an athlete and be a wrestler. I'm sorry. Don't come after me. I'll leave your sport alone. And he's going to slide into the WWE, be on TV. Everyone is going to like him. He's going to be some goon. He's going to be some assassin. He's going to be someone who portrays someone in the military with a big, big weapon around his neck, and he's going to be a movie star. What does he do next, Tom? Well, are you the, the same guy that watches The Crown and Downton Abbey and Game yes. of Thrones, doesn't like a pretend TV show every once in a while? <laughs> you and I sit around and talk about Fargo and our pretend TV shows and The Walking Dead, etc., all the time. What's wrong with a pretend TV show? But do you believe we're, we're doing a pretend radio show right now? It's called a podcast. <laughs> do you believe that he'll be good? He'll be really solid overall as an actor. Well, will he someday be standing oh, up and holding the actor for the Screen Actors Guild Award? Because uh, <laughs> look at all the money Rock made. Look at all the money yeah, that that's, Dwayne that's, the that's, Rock that's your analogy. Made. Will he or will he not be a better actor than The Rock? <laughs> and is that a question you want asked about yourself? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's a lot. Uh, you know, he has to show up for work. You can't you got to show up for work, Gronk, when you're making a movie, because if you're one of the lead roles, uh, you can't call in sick because your knee hurts. One thing when I went to Foxborough, I saw Gronkowski play a few times. And when you watch him warm up, it's just incredible to see some guy that big running routes and warm ups and say, unbelievable. Look at how smooth he is. But when I was in New England at Foxborough and I went to the Patriots Hall of Fame and I walked in there and I was shaking my head because I'm like, there's no one in this Hall of Fame. They got like six guys in there, oh, John Hanna <laughs> and know, Steve right? Grogan. And we said there's going to be so many members there will of the be Patriots eventually. era, yep. the six Super Bowls of Brady, Gronkowski's got three, that are not going to be able to make it into Canton, Ohio, because their stats weren't overwhelming. They were on a great team, but they're going to be in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I believe Ron, Rob Gronkowski is a Canton, Ohio Hall of Famer. The numbers to me are overwhelming statistically how dominant he was as a player, Tom, I think you'd keep him in the Patriots Hall of Fame as we wrap this up. Oh, absolutely. He in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I have trouble with Canton, Ohio, but you're probably right because he was a media darling. If he caught the ball, which was his job, uh, Jim Nance, oh, it's Rob Gronkowski! They get so excited every time he touched the ball, which receivers don't touch very often anyway. And he was a new breed in terms of the fact that he and we talking about Tony Gonzalez. 
of tight ends who could catch the ball. They were an irrelevant part of football forever. They just blocked. And whenever, you know, it's called Ricky Dudley syndrome, right? <laughs> he throw them the ball and they drop it, which is why you hardly ever until the 2000s, he just wouldn't throw the ball to the tight end. The tight ends before the year 2000 who made an impact in the NFL, you could count on one hand and you're lucky if you get five because they were just too clotty to, to catch the ball. And now, just like seven-footers hitting threes, tight ends can actually catch the ball, and he's probably the most famous one since. So he did bring a lot of fame to the game, a lot of fame to himself, so he'll probably get himself into the Hall of Fame. I've been waiting to do this my entire broadcasting career. Like Brian Gumble would say, let's move on. Okay. On real sports, and then he'd look <laughs> yes. down at a pad. Yes. What is he writing and on he that pad? When he, he's got to get the fake glasses out, too. <laughs> he has his glasses down to his nose, and he's scribbling something. And Andrea Kramer does this unbelievable story, or Frank DeFord when he was alive, and he would look down at his notes when he'd be in the pre-production meeting four hours before. What was he scribbling? Uh, I asked Jim Lampley that once, and Jim Lampley said nothing. He's not scribbling. <laughs> he's just fake writing. That's, uh, that's, that's what he's doing. It's show business. Gronk will, be, Gronk will be pretending to write on a notepad someday. Let's move on. Okay. If a if a trout is caught in a pond outside of Anaheim <laughs> and no one sees the fisherman or the fish, did it actually happen? Oh, that's a great question because when I was a little boy growing up in Elmira, New York, collecting baseball cards, when baseball wasn't on TV every single night because uh, there wasn't ESPN and Fox Sports 1, etc., and you didn't have as much baseball coverage. You didn't have sports talk radio. So we had baseball cards, if you'll remember, JT. And every once in a while, you get a baseball card that included a California angel. And I remember walking up to the corner store. We had this great corner store on Hoffman Street in Elmira, New York. And the kids would walk up to the corner store and get a candy bar and some some baseball cards. And whenever I would get a California angel, I would think in my little small mind, if, a Cal- if the California Angels won every single game, would they be in the World Series? Are they really in Major League Baseball? What division are they in? Because remember, even when you're a kid, before you start paying really close attention, you don't know your divisions as well. You just know your favorite team. You, the Yankees, me, the Mets. And so uh, they've just always been this to everybody and still every kid in the country. There's this, this obscure baseball team. You don't get to see them play on TV. They don't put them in prime time. They're just, if you're going to play baseball for any team, why would Trout choose to play for the Angels the rest of his life? It's really compelling, and it's really important, because if you look over the last six weeks of show uh, and look at the contracts that were signed of $100 million or more from Alex Bergman to Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Jacob deGrom, $137 million. Uh, the guy was 10-9 and nine for the Mets but got the Cy Young Award, which I want to put my head through a wall for that. <laughs> uh, Chris Sale, a five-year deal. And then you had the big four, Tom. And, and they were massive deals, as everyone said. We would never do these long-term contracts again. Nolan Arenado, uh, eight years at $260 million. Manny Machado with the Padres, $300 million over 10 years. Worth every Bryce, penny. Bryce Harper, 13 years, $330 million. So Not worth it. We were waiting for Trout. And I was talking about this constantly because as a Yankee fan, what fascinated me about this baseball offseason, these were not in play for Trout and Bryce Harper. And, and both of the players, and especially Harper who had free agency, but Trout was still under contract. The Yankees are the team in our lifetime with the most money, ready to pounce and ready to go, and quite frankly, overpay players. The Boston Red Sox sat it out because they have Mookie Betts and they just won the World Series. The Dodgers, where you are in the Southland with Clayton Kershaw, they seem to not want to dive in. They kicked the tires. They didn't want Machado, who played for them, and they didn't want Bryce Harper, and they could have poached Mike Trout eventually. Two of the biggest contracts, the two biggest contracts in baseball history were done with Harper and Trout without the majority of the big baseball teams in Major League Baseball wanting to get into yeah. the negotiation. What's going I on? I find that fascinating to what, me. Yeah, yeah. What I do too, because for uh, first of all, just for the past several years, when the Guggenheims uh, bought the Dodgers, they would back up the Brinks truck or sell a Van Gogh, and they'd get the best player out there. And the Yankees have been doing that all of our lives. Why stop now? 
Now that the Dodgers have been in the World Series two years in a row, I'm living in L.A. It's really exciting. You're going to stop now. You're going to let Machado go, one of the great baseball players out there. Every once in a while, he doesn't run it out to first base. You knew that when you got him. Keep him. And the same thing, get Trout. Get, get one of these great guys that are legacy players. And, and the, the Yankees always did the same thing, too. Bryce Harper, are you kidding me? He looks perfect in any uniform, if you're a fan of any team. Looks perfect in a Dodger uniform or in a Yankee uniform. Why did those two franchises? I want your conspiracy theory. Where's yeah, this? Col- is there collusion here? Why didn't the Yankees or the Dodgers sign one of these Hope Diamonds? And let me move also the Cubs into the conversation because the Cubs yeah, have been spent doing more yep. money. The yep. Ricketts family, Ricketts family, in the last five seasons, they spent the most money with Theo Epstein coming in in the World Series than any other team, which is really an incredible stat. So the Cubs were out the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I just think it was the perfect storm. The Yankees picked up a, most of the contract coming out of the Marlins for Giancarlo Stanton as Derek Jeter has dumped on that franchise and trying to shed salary. Harper, I thought, was the perfect fit for the Yankees because of the short porch. His dad loved Mickey Mantle. He would have been perfect in the Bronx. But they had a guy by the name of Judge. All rise for the judge. Yeah, so he's good. Stanton. Judge and Harper, probably not. Why not, though? That's what George Steinbrenner would have said. Why not? And George Steinbrenner, if he was alive today, the boss, born on the 4th of July, would have made one of those two deals. And getting back to Trout, what's fascinating to me is I got to give Artie Moreno a lot of credit. I don't believe that athletes, I'm talking the brilliant ones like Ronaldo and Messi and Kobe and Uh LeBron. And it will include Trout. I believe that they should wait till free agency is upon them and then think about it. What Trout did is he got such a big offer. He got, as the Godfather movie proved, he got an offer that he couldn't refuse. Artie Moreno, the owner, looked at the landscape of baseball and said, if we lose Mike Trout, which we'll probably lose him to the Yankees or the Phillies where he's from, or maybe the Dodgers up the road, there'll be no need for fans in Southern California to ever come to Anaheim again for baseball because the fans would have been so pissed off that they were going in to see a new player and a new young guy, but it wouldn't have been Mike Trout. So Moreno ran the numbers in that market because he hijacked LA because they're not the LA angels. They're based in Anaheim. They're the orange County angels. And Moreno had the brass balls, Tom, to say, I'm going to overpay him because he's overpaying him. $430 million is out of control. He's overpaying him that amount of money to go get him and lock him up for 12 years. And Trout will never be available again. His whole career will be in Anaheim playing for the Angels. Well, uh, will he be available again? Remember when Alex Rodriguez was signed yeah. for $250 million for the Texas Rangers, he quickly ended up on on the New York Yankees at some point. Well, it wasn't quickly, but you, you get my point. They sign these lifetime contracts, and then they end up on other teams with great uh, accountants to figure out how to do it. So hopefully that'll happen to Mike Trout because you just hate to see somebody get – that used to be uh, where – you know you know how I always say uh, Hollywood dumps its garbage in January, February, March, and April? That's not that's where you can see now Schwarzenegger movies and Stallone movies. They come out <laughs> – they come out in the winter time now when they used to be the blockbuster guys. Same thing with you know Rod Carew and Reggie Jackson and guys like that used to finish off their career with the in obscurity with the Angels. And now Mike Trout's gonna do it in his prime. He doesn't want to be the face of baseball, right. which is also fascinating. He does they had that press conference out there in front of the ballpark and you know, fans showed up. Oh, did they? Gave him, they, yeah, they gave him some fanfare. And I said to myself, he's perfect for baseball in regards to being a role model. Because baseball to me is all about role models, even though we've had a lot of characters dating back to Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, Pete Rose, who was banned from the game. There's been some guys who've gotten into trouble. We've covered brilliantly the steroid era. Yes. We never missed a radio show during we the We had in-depth team era. coverage. Yes. Yeah. And. And Mike Trout is different to me because he's the perfect baseball player. He's a five-tool player. He can do it all. (laughs) And he doesn't get into trouble. So it's worth locking him up long-term. But are you ever going to see him on the cover of a magazine or on USA Today? No, because you never want people people saying, who's that, when they're looking at the cover of a magazine. And I'm okay with this because he did Mm -hmm. something that I would do. 
typically I'm a glass house, as you know, on the JT and Looney podcast. Right. I say things and I'm a hypocrite. But if you would have offered me that money before my contract was up and came to me and said, here's what we're going to do. We don't want you to leave. We want you to stay. Your contract isn't up. And we're going to double or triple your money to stay somewhere which is inferior. It's an inferior baseball town. It's inferior. You're not going to be able to play and have a legacy with the Yankees or the Dodgers, but we'll triple your salary. I'd look at my wife. I'd look at my sons. And I'd say, yeah, because God forbid I blow out my Achilles. God forbid I got in a car accident. God forbid anything happened wrong and I left 430 right. million on the table. That's it. all this story is, Tom, is a great young kid got an offer he couldn't refuse. Oh, absolutely. And God usually doesn't forbid. He usually insists. Things like that happen in life all the time to people who play baseball and people who don't and people who work at Dairy Queen. So uh, it was a smart move on his point. You know how my mind works. You know, everyone's got a particular area of genius, JT. I have 11. And one of them, as you know, is. O.J. Simpson, anything about O.J. Simpson, the O.J. Simpson trial. So you want to see how my mind works with this conversation here. And we were talking about the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Ricketts family. Do you want me to connect the dots here between O.J. Simpson, the Ricketts, the Cubs and Ernie Banks? Do you want to know what what they all have? I can't wait. How about this? O.J. Simpson, who was born with Ricketts. Is the first cousin of Ernie Banks, legendary Chicago Cubs, legendary Hall of Famer, Ernie Banks, and the Cubs are owned by the Ricketts family. How do you like that connection? (laughs) Connected the dots between OJ, Ernie Banks, Ricketts, and Cubs. I don't know anybody else who could have pulled that off. (laughs) You know that Mike Trout's record deal is going to pay him $100,000 a day. He will make $36 million per season, the highest average annual value in Major League history by far. And the breakdown is incredible. I couldn't believe this. It's 61,000 in at bat. So let's begin with that. During a baseball game now, if you want to urinate, or you want to buy a popcorn or a beer. If you leave your seat, and when Mike Trout is coming up to the plate and steps into the batter's box, he's getting 61000 to pop up behind home plate and foul out, ground <laughs> yeah. back to the pitcher. He's going to get that. Right. He's going to make $199,000 per hit. This is what blew me away out of all the numbers I have in front of me. He's going to get $364,000 per RBI. How many people listening to the JT and Looney podcast will remember that? He's going to hit a base hit to left field in Arlington, Texas against the Rangers, trailing three to one. The score is going to be three to two after that, and he's going to get well over $300,000 for that. Every week, he'll make $692,000, and again, four thousand one hundred dollars per hour from mike trout and as you know we've been friends a long time i'm fascinated by how high you could take up a price i don't think you could have usc college even though yeah people are people are cheating to get into usc now i don't think it's going to cost 10 years from now one hundred and ten thousand a year there's got to be a cap of what you pay for a home if it's a $300,000 $300,000 home. You're not going to pay a million three for it. You might pay 500,000 if you love the neighborhood. We're not going to pay $7 for a gallon of gas. We might pay three or four if the economy happens. Why, Tom, are we putting this number out here at 430 million? I don't believe in a hard cap, but this number is so outlandish when you break down the numbers per at bat and per day. Well, the, the question you've always asked is how high does it go? You know, how high does the price of yeah, milk end high? up going? How high does a gallon of gas? Is it going to be $10 someday? Is it going to be 20? And, uh, it, and it is a fascinating concept. Also, when you say a little caveat here, uh, Mike Trout does live in California on top of it. When you say he's making $100,000 a day, 
really after taxes, that's only $41,000 a day that he's making. It's not really the full 100000 So uh, I got to feel a little bit bad for him because of the taxes. He's really only making $41,000 a day. You make an interesting point. He's, he is paying a lot of money in state, yes. federal taxes, and, and just living he, in a very... He could have taken less from the Marlins and, pay, and, uh, and, and, and made it up on the back end without paying state taxes. But we both agree that he, was, he made the right decision because yeah, of the player he to. is. And I look at his stats, and I've been breaking down his numbers. You know, I grew up, I thought a great year in baseball was you know, 40 home runs and 120 RBI. Uh, that to me would be really impressive. Right. And I look at Mike Trout and his contract and his deal, and he's only hit 40 home runs. The numbers are incredible. He doesn't have these stats that just jump out at you and say, wow, this is Babe Ruth. Uh, this is Barry Bonds while on steroids. This well, you always thought he looked like he looked seen. like Mickey Mantle, you always thought. He looks like a classic throwback baseball player, uh, bulky white guy that you'd see on a baseball card in 1966, right? Doesn't he? He does, but he plays yeah. defense, and he runs, yep. and he steals bases, and he does it all. So for Mike Trout, I tip my cap to you. If you look at his average throughout his career, and he's at 240 home runs. He's got 648 RBI. Throughout his career, he has a batting average total of 307. But he came into the league in 2011 at the age of 19, which was impressive. So throw out that year where he had five home runs. Then he had 30, 27, 36, 41. 29, 33, and 39 last year. Tom, and again, last year he played, oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. He's the Rob Gronkowski of Major League Baseball. Oh, did he get hurt? Mike Trout last year (laughs) played 140 games. In 2017, he played 114 games. In 2012, he played 139 games. He's had two seasons, 2015 and 16, where he played 159 games. So you're talking about a guy, Tom, who averages averages 37 home runs and 99 RBI. He's making $430 million compared to the legends who came before him. And the legends who came before him always showed up for work, yes. right? Even yep. when they were hungover. And uh, so he's got to make sure he's he's got to make sure he shows up for work. Hopefully we can edit out my dog barking. No, that's what podcasts are all about. This is what's so great about our pretend radio show. Absolutely not. You got to leave it in. And tell everyone where I'm I'm hosting the podcast today in my my library. In your library where you have all those books you haven't read behind you. So in the future when this podcast is also people can view it. They will see all those thousands. It looks like you're a Harvard professor. You have all those. I feel like I feel like I'm one of those guys who's doing the podcast in my garage, and a truck came by, or a siren, or the dog went crazy. Yes, Uh, Yes. I I thought that was going to happen to me for sure. I'm glad it happened to you. Hey, one thing about a podcast too. I thought I gave you the perfect segue. We're going to talk Lakers. Yes, we're going to talk like this. Okay. Yeah. I thought I gave you the perfect segue when I made my O.J. Simpson, Ricketts, Cubs, Ernie Banks uh, connect the dots. I thought that was a great time to do the Lakers. And you, you didn't want to throw away those stats that you looked up and prepared for the show, did you? you were good. Yeah, I did not. I prepared stats. So remember, I was proud throughout my radio career that I never had a note in front of me. Right. And I didn't have a teleprompter because yes. now we're in the teleprompter years of sports radio. Oh, my you God. A, you have a three-hour nice. pre-show meeting where the interns write your radio show and tell you what to talk about. And then you load it up to the teleprompter or you read it. You read your radio show and do that. Uh, oh, you know, for my podcast, to be like a Marlon Brad, a Marlon Brando type of sportscaster where you just rolled in with a reputation and everyone just rolls everything into a teleprompter. You just read it. Never was. How is Bravo? Yeah, it's worked out real well for me now. I'm thrilled by that. <laughs> yeah, that worked out really well for me overall. But let's uh, let's move on to the Lakers. Love as it. we as we drop this podcast, the Lakers have been eliminated. Mm. eliminated from postseason play. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are 33 and 41, 17 and a half games out. Uh, earlier, as we debuted the JT and Looney podcast, we did what everybody did. We jumped in on LeBron James yep. because we were told to do it. Everybody got lazy. It was logical. And if, 
Yeah, and if you didn't hear that podcast, what I what I find fascinating about LeBron is that everybody took the bait. And a quick synopsis of what happened with LeBron. LeBron went to L.A. for the right reasons. His family. He's a media mogul. He has a television empire brewing, a movie empire. He has his television show, The Shop, which is on HBO. He has his new TV show dropping on CBS, The Million Dollar Mile. He's super successful on top of his clothes, his sneaker endorsement deals. So he ends up going out to Los Angeles and meeting him at LAX at the private jet terminal was the L.A. media. The L.A. media needed LeBron James because L.A. doesn't get any sports radio ratings. Not that people don't listen. Many people listen. Our friends host there, but it doesn't show up in the ratings book. People don't listen to sports radio in L.A. like they listen to Latino music or talk music or 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 movies. Yeah, all that. So everybody took the easy way out, and they said LeBron's going to save us. Every day we're going to have our 6 o'clock, 5, 6, and 11 o'clock local news ready. We're going to lead with LeBron. Our radio show every day is going to open up with LeBron, and it failed miserably. So, Tom, you live in Los Angeles. You're a Laker fan. You've covered the Lakers during the Shaq and Kobe years. How did this completely fall on its face for LeBron and the organization? Well, remember earlier when you said you warned that when you do the spoken word format and give opinions, a lot of times we find ourselves being hypocrites. You're a hypocrite right within this podcast where you're, you're happy to ignore all the times that Rob Gronkowski can't show up for work and you just find excuses for it. LeBron had a legitimate reason as well not to show up for work. He got hurt. Supposedly, he should have been out six months with that injury he had to his groin. He stayed out six weeks, played last night right to the clock hit zero. And before LeBron got hurt, they were 20 and 14. Remember Christmas Day, they blew out the Warriors. Uh, with, uh, you know, the Luke Walton question mark there is they were 20 and 14, and they could have won 10 of those. They could have been 30 and 4. Uh, with or without LeBron, they've blown at least 20 leads this year. So there's some coaching issues. There's injuries, ish, injury issues. Brandon Ingram got hurt, and he has something really serious, deep vein thrombosis, uh, Kuzma. Uh, in and out with, with injuries, and he's a terrific player, uh, the, the, a diamond in the rough that they got out of the draft. So you got to give them credit for that. Rajon Rondo never played better in his career when he wasn't hurt. Lonzo Ball has improved uh, exponentially, but he was hurt a lot. The Lakers had the injury bug. It wasn't a disaster in the way that the, the organization put this together. It was a disaster that the injury gods kept biting the best players on the Lakers. If they were healthy the entire year, they would have been breathing down the necks of the Golden State Warriors. You know that happens with LeBron James and his teammates if they're healthy. It happened in Cleveland. It happened in Miami. Then it happened in Cleveland again. And it happened when LeBron was in high school. If LeBron's on the team, the team's usually going to the championship. This year, the injury bug hit, namely LeBron James, and so they're not. Well, you're forgetting a real big part of the story, which I think is the biggest part of Did the story. Did I leave something out just to spin it in yes. my direction? That's you shocking. Le- you left something big out. You left out <laughs> the fact that LeBron, while he was injured with the groin injury, was trying to trade every single one of his teammates. And what that did was it alienated right. everybody in the organization other than Magic, maybe Rob Palenka. Everybody forgets Rob Palenka, who is the general manager, Kobe's former agent. You want to talk about a conspiracy theory. Uh, Kobe doesn't love the legacy of LeBron. Kobe thinks his legacy with his five rings is better than LeBron's James. And Kobe's best friend and agent now is in charge of LeBron and his contract. So while LeBron was injured and the wheel started to come off, he wanted to go after Anthony Davis because they shared the same agent. And what happened was that unraveled in front of the number two media market in Los Angeles and the national media from our friend Stephen A to our buddy George Sedano to everybody at ESPN who watched this couldn't believe how this unraveled. And right before the all-star break, the Lakers put all of their players on the trade block and those young kids didn't handle it well. They were upset. They love the palm trees. They love Los Angeles. They want to lay down roots there with their girlfriends or wives and live there forever. And they all knew that the guy who was riding the bicycle at practice, the guy who was there working through his groin injury, didn't want him. I think that's the biggest story 
on top of the record of the Lakers is how LeBron Magic Palenka couldn't control the narrative that got to the media on how the Lakers wanted to do what John Gruden did. John Gruden broke down the Raiders during the season, which is very rare. No one's ever done that since Vince Lombardi. We're going to start giving away players and trading players and benching players during the season so we can get draft picks and go in a different direction. LeBron wanted to do that, landing Anthony Davis, and it backfired. I just think everything you said there was wrong, except for the fact that the fact that they did try to get Anthony Davis. Chemistry is overrated. It's a sports talk radio topic that we need because we have to fill three hours and talk about sports. But how I always mention about with a great chemistry that all those Clippers teams and Angels teams have had over the years where the players loved each other, but they couldn't win. All the greatest Laker teams had no chemistry whatsoever. Was there chemistry with Shaq and Kobe in the day over the years? No, they had no chemistry individually. On the court, it was magic. Chemistry is overrated. The Kobe thing was completely wrong. Do you think Kobe really? Kobe has already not only won when it comes to regular season and postseason stats when it comes to LeBron James, or maybe he won't. He doesn't care. You know why? He's won retirement. He's done something Michael could never do. Several things Michael could never do. We're talking about Kobe Bryant here when you said about Kobe caring about all this. No, he doesn't. Kobe won an Academy Award. Kobe not only danced out of high school, went straight into the pros, something Michael Jordan could never do. LeBron did that, though. So there is a competition with LeBron. If LeBron was show business, can win himself an Academy Award, he'll catch Kobe. But Michael Jordan will never catch Kobe. And good luck, LeBron. It's a lot harder to win an Oscar than it is an NBA title. So nobody will ever catch Kobe. Kobe does not care about any of this. He will be asked because he's a Laker legend. But he doesn't care about this stuff like you think he does or his legacy or his numbers. He's moved on. In his new career, he's already won an Oscar. And so LeBron wants to chase Kobe in that department, too, obviously, in show business. Michael's bowed out. and He just smokes cigars and drinks with his friends, and that's okay. But I, I think the chemistry is overrated in sports. I don't think that that affected the team. Injury bugs. It was my filibuster that is correct here, Mr. T. And that is, it was the injuries that hurt the Lakers more than all the rumors about them trying to trade everybody away. Well, I think we should both admit it's been an absolute disaster. Because if they got in on the eighth seed and played the Warriors, at least we'd get what we're used to. LeBron versus the Warriors, and LeBron would be rested, ready to go, and he'd give everything he has. We're not even going to have that. There's no debate that the Clippers, who are a playoff team, as we drop this podcast, have been playing phenomenal. And not only do they have a richer owner who's going to be more active in free agency, they're just flat out a better team. Uh, speaking of free agents, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, uh, Jimmy Butler, Kemble Walker. You look at the list of free agents that are coming up here. The big name still under contract with people forget Anthony Davis is under contract. Right. Is that they got to get Anthony Davis. So I'm confident that they're going to get Anthony Davis because if Anthony Davis blows off LeBron and the agent, Rich Paul, and he doesn't come to L.A., it is by far the biggest slap in the face to LeBron James from any player in the history of his career, from Booby Gibson in Cleveland and Tristan (laughs) Thompson all the way to his two rings with Pat Riley. The one thing that can bail out your Lakers, Tom Looney, is Anthony Davis coming over. Then you got LeBron rested because he didn't make the playoffs. Anthony Davis rested. He's now a Laker. And then LeBron and Anthony Davis could go after one more of these free agents and say, be a part of the real big three. That's the only chance the Lakers have in my mind to rebuild. And I think with Kyle Kuzma, the real diamond in the rough here, I think the Lakers will actually be fine with a lot of the guys they have if they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. But would the Lakers be any worse if they had LeBron, Kyrie Irving, and Kawhi Leonard? There's this false narrative out there, completely false narrative, that Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to be a, a, a Laker. That's completely false. It's, people are hoping that that's the case because they don't want Lakers to have all the good players and hoping that he loves and falls in love with Toronto or maybe he'll end up with the Clippers. There's always a Clipper rumor every single year. Does it ever happen, JT? No, because no one dreams of going to the Clippers and the Clippers can never talk anybody into working for that organization because they have no history. It's, they, have a, they have a treacherous history is what they have. So don't be surprised. 
if Kyrie Irving, who's always wanted to be a Laker and almost became one a couple of years ago, ends up rejoining LeBron. Remember, he's he's already paved the way for that by reaching out to LeBron and apologizing, et cetera, for how he acted. And Kawhi Leonard is from Southern California and always dreamed of being a Laker. So uh, I don't don't believe the false narratives out there that that uh, that Kawhi Leonard wants to be a Clipper or stay in Toronto. It's just not true. As we wrap up this podcast with Gronk, Trout, and the death of the 2018-2019 Lakers, <laughs> I just want you to take one thing with you with LeBron and the Lakers going forward. Okay. Is the next time you tune into media, whatever it is, it could be a website, it could be a talk show on the radio or TV, ask yourself this one question. Why are we talking about LeBron? Just ask that going forward. I'm not talking about next year. I'm talking about in the next couple of months as we go through April, May, and June when we're talking about the NBA playoffs and it's Giannis Antetokounmpo and it's James Harden and we're seeing if Toronto's for real. Watch the people who mail it in, open up a radio show, close a radio show, or do a segment where they're screaming at each other, doing a fake debate on LeBron James. And remember this podcast and how people all got it wrong. LeBron is irrelevant right now other than televisions, movies, real estate. This year, the first year of his four-year deal was a throwaway disaster, and he's going to have a lot of pressure, Tom Looney, to turn it around quickly or his legacy in Los Angeles as a basketball player is going to be a joke. Yeah, his legacy in Los Angeles, but not his legacy as a basketball player. Nobody is judging Michael Jordan by the Washington Wizards years. Matter of fact, the FCC will fine you. We're only allowed to talk about Michael Jordan's Wizard years on podcasts because the FCC can't touch us here. But if you have, if you're on radio or television, the FCC, and you're under the jurisdiction of the FCC, they don't allow you to talk about Michael Jordan's bad games, his bad playoff games as a bull, or which he had, or his treacherous years in Washington with the Wizards. You're not allowed to talk about that. And LeBron James, if it just ends up that he has a couple of mediocre years with the Lakers, it won't affect his legacy either because he's too great. I'm thanking Mark Germain for putting this podcast together for us and making it happen. The legendary Mark Germain, legendary L.A. talk show host, former Mr. KFI, Mr. KABC from TalkRadio1.com. Got to give him a shout out. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, so when he sues us for podcast revenue and we're in court, they can play this one and we'll have to write him a check because he's so talented, he's so great, and he gave us an opportunity to give you a brand new JT and Looney podcast. Download it. Please rate it. Uh, go get it on Apple, iTunes, or any podcast service. We greatly appreciate your dedication. We'll be back with another podcast very soon. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the JT and Looney podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.